Hello and welcome to the latest tech.eu podcast with myself, Neil Murray and Roxanne Vasa. Hi, Roxanne. Hi, Neil. So this week we will discuss lots of movement at Twitter in Europe. So we'll update our listeners on what's going on there. We have DFJ's European arm, Draper Esprit, that has gone public. So yes, that's a venture firm going public. Spain's job and talent has secured a 42 million series B round. Our editor, Robin, catches up with Bulgarian Imperia Online. And finally, Neil and I will wrap up with a discussion about the call for a single startup market in the EU. So let's start off with Twitter. There has been a lot going on with Twitter in Europe. Perhaps the most recent news regarding Twitter is that the head of EMEA, Stephen McIntyre, has just left to become a partner at Frontline Ventures in Ireland. So Business Insider called him one of Twitter's most senior execs outside the U.S. This could be interpreted as, as a sign that Twitter is losing some of its very important people, but it's still actually managing to attract some very strong names as well. For example, the U.K.'s Martha. Elaine Fox. She's one of the co-founders of lastminute.com and very influential. Also recently joined Twitter's board. So I think it's, it's interesting to see the people coming out, but also the people going in. But aside from shakeups on the team, Twitter actually made a very interesting investment this past week. We've mentioned on earlier podcasts that SoundCloud has been having some trouble to monetize its business. And now Twitter who wanted to buy SoundCloud a few years ago has put in 70 million into the music streaming service. So there were a lot of articles that covered the topic. I think Forbes said it best with their title, Twitter invests in SoundCloud, but why? It's a really weird deal. I just don't, I don't know what to make of it. I think many have criticized the deal, saying that Twitter would be better focusing on its core business. Others have said that this could be an interesting play in the music space. Apparently, Twitter has wanted to have big musicians on the platform, but hasn't been able to provide a real music service. I don't know. Neil, what do you think? I, know, I think it's kind of interesting. I, I think the biggest question for me is, rather than why, is why now? You know, why wasn't this done a couple of years ago? To me, it seems odd to make this move now, especially both companies kind of going through quite a lot of upheaval recently, a lot of uncertainty in both companies about the direction that they're taking. And actually, one of the more interesting takes I saw on this was a writer for, for Bloomberg. He tweeted that the 70 million that they've invested into SoundCloud, that's 60% of Twitter's cash flow, of its free cash flow in the last 12 months. 60% of its free cash flow investing into a company which is also kind of struggling to to kind of find a direction. That That's kind of astounding for me, the amount of money that they've invested when you consider their current financial situation at Twitter. So why now is, is the biggest question for me. Interesting on the SoundCloud side, you know, this 70 million that comes on top, I, I think it was like 35 million or a bit more than that. You know, they've actually now raised kind of 100 million plus at least over the last 12 to 18 months. So while they were kind of, I think they were kind of scrambling around trying to get some more investment to cut, to kind of figure everything out. I mean, they've certainly done that now. And this is kind of latest money that's come in again gives them the opportunity to kind of take things forward. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of odd. I think. Also, what's interesting in terms of SoundCloud as a kind of social network, because we always think about it as a kind of challenger to Spotify and stuff like that. When SoundCloud started, its biggest competitor or who it was challenging was MySpace. 
you know, and that again had that kind of social network. It was a social network and had the music element to it. So if you think that there's two points around that, SoundCloud one hasn't really pushed on when you consider originally it was a competitor to MySpace. Uh, and two, it has always had that social element. So perhaps there is something there that they may kind of resort back to now with Twitter's involvement. But yes, yeah, certainly a pretty odd one, all in all. Yeah, I just feel that, I mean, we have two companies that are not kings of monetization. Is it good to put them together? Is that going to just drive them into the ground? It was quite funny, actually, this this past week at Founders Forum, there were quite a lot of people making comments about Twitter's product not having really evolved over the last few years. And I feel SoundCloud in many ways is kind of the same. So it will be interesting to see what happens with them. Hopefully things will not go too badly. So now we hear about companies going public all the time, but venture firms definitely have not heard of this one before, at least myself. DFJ's European arm, Draper Esprit, just made an incredibly rare move to go public. So Draper Esprit has backed European startups like Love Film, Grey's, List. This past week, they made a dual listing on AIM in the London Stock Exchange and Ireland's enterprise securities market. They listed an initial price of 300 pence per share and raised more than 100 million pounds. Simon Cook, who is the head of Draper Esprit in London, said that this was actually delayed from last year. So apparently the reason for them listing is twofold. First, they wanted to be able to invest bigger stakes and for longer periods of time. And they also wanted to democratize the investment process. I find this super interesting. Um, Have we seen other VC funds go public before? I know I haven't. And should we expect other firms uh, to take the same route in the future? The first thing that crossed my mind is that this was kind of out of the blue. I don't know whether I just had my head in the sand, but I didn't know this was coming or I didn't know anything about it. I, then I was doubly shocked to find out that this was actually delayed from last year. I really think I must have missed something personally here because I had no idea at all that this was coming. But I certainly hadn't seen anything about it. I don't know whether everyone missed it or it was just me. But yeah, I had, so the first shock was that it even happened for me personally. Second shock was, yeah, I mean, this is kind of odd. I still am not 100% sure of what my thoughts are personally in terms of how this works or does it make sense? Will we see more of it? I don't know kind of where I feel uh, about that yet. I, I definitely need to, to look into it. But I certainly think it's an interesting move. And I think this kind of public market and innovations around that is something that we should look for. I know in kind of Silicon Valley at the moment, Eric Reese is kind of looking to reform and almost set up exchange for startups, right? And looking to rethink it all. So perhaps this kind of fits in there. You know, VC firms float in, a lot of innovation kind of in this space. We might expect to see that rather than just seeing more VC firms go public. It may be that we just see a lot of innovation in the public market space over the next year or so. Yeah, I don't know why. In many ways, this reminds me a lot of an angelist syndicate. I mean, this this may actually just be the beginning of innovation in the space, as you say. So just going back to Draper Esprit, they currently have a portfolio of 24 companies that are valued at over $74 million. Now, Madrid-based Job and Talent announced it has raised $42 million in a Series B round led by Atomico Ventures. Actually, before we talk about them, we spoke about another Spanish company, Cabify, raising big money, about $120 million not too long ago. 
And at the time, I felt like it was really a bit of an exception. But maybe there's a bunch of Spanish startups under the radar that are about to prove us wrong. I just had this weird feeling when I saw the second big round come out of Spain. Anyway, back to job and talent. They have a mobile focus platform that reduces a company's need to kind of go the traditional way for hiring and interviewing. Apparently, this round will be used to expand the product into new markets, including Mexico, Colombia, and the UK. Actually, it's really interesting to see a lot of Spanish and Portuguese companies not only leveraging Europe, but also going after Latin American markets at the same time. Another investor that was in this deal in New York is FJ Labs, who's also invested in Palantir, Alibaba, Lending Club, Delivery Hero, actually a really impressive portfolio. I didn't, I didn't know about them prior to this deal. Um, and I have to say, I find it really funny that this deal was announced the same week Microsoft acquired LinkedIn for $26 billion. <laughs> yeah, that, that's really interesting, right? And actually, I think we, because we, I think it was last week when I think I said about, you know, I wasn't kind of convinced yet for kind of mobile was the way to go for kind of recruitment apps and stuff. I, you know, I felt like maybe the shift hadn't quite been made yet. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm, you know, one of the most kind of prestigious uh, investors in Europe invests in a, a company that's doing exactly that, right? Like job and talent, very mobile focused in the recruitment process. So it shows what I know. But around that discussion, it's very interesting that you mentioned kind of Microsoft and LinkedIn is because, you know, in, in many ways, it's it's a very boring acquisition, right? Like LinkedIn is is very traditional and, and almost outdated now in, in truth. And a lot of people kind of said that Microsoft should have been, you know, looking towards Slack or looking towards a more kind of uh, innovative solution in the workspace. And yeah, job and talent are, are kind of a, a bargain almost if you invest in 42 million in a, in a Series B compared to spending 26 billion uh, on LinkedIn. So I think it's a really interesting comparison actually. And it shows you where the kind of, the future of work is. I mean, especially in terms of tech. I mean, and it really looks like it is moving towards mobile. I know people will be looking for jobs and kind of actually communicating in terms of the workspace purely via mobile. I mean, it does make sense. You know, everything's moved to mobile. I still felt we were kind of a year or two away from kind of a, a big transition. I still feel like if I was looking for a job, I would still kind of use my my desktop or, you know, or if I was kind of hiring or interviewing someone, I, I still feel like I would use a desktop personally, but I could definitely see that this shift will happen. But yeah, very interesting kind of parallel to draw between uh, LinkedIn and then a company that's kind of looking at things in a completely fresh way. Yeah, and I don't know when the deal was closed, but I just think it's brilliant to announce your funding the same week that a company in your space gets acquired for that. So if there was any way that that was actually timed, bravo to the team. I thought that was really quite cool. But now our editor, Robin, had a chance to catch up with Bulgarian game production company, Imperia Online. Hey, this is Robin from TechU. I'm here in Sofia, Bulgaria for the Digitalk conference. And I'm here with Julian uh, from Imperia Online, a uh, Bulgarian startup. What do you do? Hi, my name is Julian. I work at Imperia Online. We're a game production company. We're focusing on mobile titles right now, and Imperia Online is our flagship title. It's an MMO strategy game with more than 30 million users worldwide. That's the basics, but it's funny to me because when you talk about the gaming scene in Europe, everyone always talks about the Nordics for good reason. Uh, there's a couple of exceptions. There's Interesting studios in Barcelona and London, obviously. Sure. But then out of Bulgaria comes this company with 30 million players, 180 people working, yeah. been around for 10 years, and nobody really knows much about them. Like, it's not on the radar. 
in particular is it? Well, actually, we're a quite known company, not as known as Rovio, for example, or Good Game, but uh, we've been trying to, to grow our user base steadily. Uh, we're a self-funded company. We started like with an investment of $1,000 when we started 10 years ago, and ever since we've been self-sustained. So this speaks a lot about our uh, ability to attract users and to have a positive impact on our revenue and everything. So you started over a decade ago, never yeah. raised any funding, got 30 million players. Did you make the transition to mobile well enough, you think? Yeah, we started as a web company 10 years ago, web games. So far, we've had a great success on mobile. We're increasing our mobile users at a very good pace. Probably about 30% of our users are on mobile right now and growing at a really, really good pace. And how do you make money? Our games are free to play with in-app purchases. Users can buy diamonds in our games that help them improve their empire and grow into a great empire, basically. Nice. Well, Imperia Online, I met one of your founders last year at this conference, actually. Uh, and um, there was something very interesting that I always remember from the conversations that you have an, an internal IT academy in the company. Can you tell us more about that? That's true. It's called IT Talents. We started it uh, about three years ago. How does uh, it work? It's uh, absolutely free for all the participants. No previous IT experience is required. And uh, we have a very, very good IT a training uh, schedule and basically we're able to provide ready IT specialists and developers in five, six months and the majority of our team right now, it's made out of uh, people from our academy actually. So basically you use the academy as sort of a recruitment tool yes. you can hire the best talents out of the academy? Yes, not, not only for our company but also for our partners. Uh, about 200 people graduate every five, six months. That's how long one season is in the academy. And we provide uh, human resources to more than 50 partners right now in Bulgaria. Great. I mean, that's great for the ecosystem as well. Um, can you Definitely. tell us a little bit more about the Bulgarian or the Sofia ecosystem from your side? It's growing at a really big pace. A lot of international companies are moving here. They're opening offices here. The government is trying to... Uh, encourage people to invest in, in the IT ecosystem. Uh, they're trying to build a climate, uh, entrepreneurship climate. Uh, it's uh, moving uh, in the right direction. And I'm hoping that in some years, it's going to have a really big impact in the region and worldwide as well. Anything you can say about the scene that's not going so well, in your opinion? Well, like everything else, it takes time. Probably what could be better organized is foreign investors could get more information from the government what's the benefits of investing in Bulgaria for example very low taxes great uh, pool of human resources engineers that's something that's like getting popularity is something that could be improved interesting abroad, yeah so I bet we'll see more investments and acquisitions maybe in the region hopefully. and maybe some of them will go to an imperial line you know hopefully yeah or we can start investing in Inquiry. You can well. start, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> All right, yeah. well, Julian, thank you very much and best of luck with Imperia. Thank you as well. Bye.
And finally, a quick discussion ahead of the Brexit vote about a very interesting project that has been put forward by some of Europe's top entrepreneurs for a single startup market. So this past week was the Founders Forum in London bringing together some of Europe's top entrepreneurs, actually some of the world's, world's leading entrepreneurs. I don't think it was just Europe. Some of the speakers included Twitter's Omi Kordestani, Google's Eric Schmidt. I think we even saw Prince William was quite, quite something. Um, and with the Brexit vote looming in the distance, there were a lot of entrepreneurs actually who stood up to say that they were against Britain leaving the EU. So that was actually one of the first times I'd ever really heard some of the entrepreneurs stand up against it. I heard a lot of people be neutral and, you know, not really want to take a stand. So that was nice to see. But another idea that arose was that of a single startup market for the EU. And many of our listeners already know that the EU is working on a single digital market, so may seem that this is kind of a bit redundant. But many are actually worried that the single digital market strategy would favor big businesses and not smaller ones. So the single startup market aims to create a single legal framework for new companies across Europe. And quite a lot of people have gotten involved in backing this. Founders from companies like Skype, Free Telecom, Last Minute, Blah Blah Car, SoundCloud, Farfetch, and a lot more. So for any of our listeners who are interested in supporting or learning more, you can check it out at singlestartupmarket.eu. Yeah, I mean, it's easily a, a positive thing. It's something that, that kind of keeps coming up in our conversations over the weeks that we've been doing this podcast. And it, it's almost a recurring theme in terms of, you know, what can we do to make Europe more attractive and better to start a company? In? And we've even discussed this as, as one of the things that we could do, right? Like making it easier to set up a company to kind of simplify legal things for companies across Europe. So you don't have to worry too much about different legislations or different paperwork in each country and you do just have that single legal framework so I, I definitely think it's a promising thing i saw you posted it on facebook about an hour or so ago so i've also kind of signed up and uh given it my support as well because yeah for me i think it makes a lot of sense and i think there is still a need for this in addition to the kind of single digital market because i agree i believe that this the single digital market doesn't necessarily uh kind of have startups as its focus whereas this is actually kind of back in startups and actually you know with the support and the people that set it up i think that the the kind of the intentions of it or the aims of it will be will be a lot better suited for people in our space to support this so yeah definitely a great initiative and i would encourage people to kind of sign up and give it their support as well but that's it for this week we'll of course be back next week you can follow us on acast itunes and soundcloud please give us your feedback we always listen to what you have to tell us you can comment on the post where this podcast is hosted on tech.eu or you can tweet us at neil sw murray or at roxanne vaza or at tech underscore eu we'll be back next week thanks roxanne thanks neil